0: Hey there, welcome again to the Best of Show, the Competition Brewing Podcast. This show is dedicated to all things in the world of competitive homebrewing. I'm your host, John Black, and as I said, this is Best of Show, a podcast intended to provide you with updates on which brewers are taking home medals in the biggest competitions across the country, as well as keeping you up to speed on what competitions are coming up so you won't miss out on being a part of the next big competition. It's another week on the brewing circuits and we have a lot more completed competitions to recognize and some upcoming competitions to spotlight. We'll also be joined on the podcast by Matt Morris. He's the director of the Blue Bonnet Brew-Off in Dallas, Texas. Blue Bonnet's one of the largest and most prestigious homebrew competitions in the country and Matt will give us all the insights into the competition and conference that's coming up later this month. So let's kick this thing off with some award winners. She Brew is a remarkable event that focuses on women in the craft beer, cider, and mead world, kicking off Women's History Month in March with a brewers competition held nationwide and a festival in Portland, Oregon. This competition consisted of 114 entries judged. As of now, they did not provide information on any Best of Show winners, so I'm just going to do a quick recognition of all the gold medal winners from the event. Lindsay Fultz, Kristen Thompson Enid Lentz, Jessica Gutierrez, Emma Donner, Cynthia Linder, Sean Laura Bross, Tori Hansman, Roxy Garcia, Rita Ramirez, Michelle Wonder, Rebecca McDaniel, Patricia Ludwig, Tyler Sadler, Laurel Wonder, Kelly Taylor, and Beth Hawes. So congratulations ladies on winning gold. It's really fun to see the excitement of a competition such as this. I can tell you that my local homebrew shop, Hopping Grape Homebrew Supply, put on a Ladies Brewing event specifically for this competition last year. That brought out some great camaraderie and collaborations that earned a few silver medals from the event. Well done to all who participated. The Regal and Dreadhop competition in Boulder, Colorado announced their awards at the end of February as well. 180 entries were judged over 24 medal categories and it all came down to these winners. The Best of Show beer was from James Allen of the Rock Hoppers Brew Club with a Trappist single named Enjoy the Silence. That was followed by the Best of Show Meat and Cider by Andrew Lau with an English cider called Mimsy Martin's Cider. The heavy metal brewer also went to James Allen with a gold, two silver, and a bronze. And his club, the Rockhoppers Brew Crew, took home the Heavy Metal Club Award with an impressive 23 medals. That was a dominant performance as the second place club had just five total medals. Great job by the Rockhoppers. This coming weekend has a couple of big competition announcements to look forward to. The Peach State Brew Off in Atlanta, Georgia has their awards ceremony set for Saturday, March 12th. Also, you can check out the Drunk Monk Awards on Saturday, March 12th via their Facebook page. Both competitions are a part of the Circuit of America, so I'll be sure to recap each of these on the next episode, so be sure to tune in for that. On weeks that have less competition awards to recap, I want to start talking about circuit rankings. For this week, I'm covering the Circuit of America. This is a newer circuit, put together to serve as more of a national circuit for us. While regional circuits are fantastic to participate in, it's a nice change of pace to see where you stack up among some of the best brewers in the country. It currently consists of 33 competitions spread out all over the country. So far, there are 8 competitions on the circuit that have already announced awards, with three more announcing in the next couple of weeks. The completed competitions are Homebrew Alley, Kansas City Beer Meisters, War of the Warts, Winterfest. Midwinter, Operation Fermentation, IBU Open, and Southern New England Regional. Points are based on the number of entries in that category that you meddle in. At the top of the leaderboard so far, we have Fritz Shands of the Denton County Homebrewers Guild. Fritz has scored points in all but one of the first eight competitions on the circuit, and he's built up an impressive score of 24.39. Hot on his heels is Bill Boyer of the North Georgia Malt Monkeys with a score of 18.4. And Bill has the distinct honor of meddling in all eight of the competitions on the circuit. Bill is absolutely a model of consistency. In third place, and the only other brewer in double digits so far, is the team of Jarrett Long and John Bates of the Horsemen of the Hoppocalypse with 13.42 points. Rounding out the top ten in the circuit, We have Eric Martin, Mike and Stephanie Butler, Stumpy Oberlin, Jeremiah Bayer, Andy Scherzinger, Ross Drunkenmiller, and the team of Randy Daniels and KC McKinney. So far, I've only entered in one of those competitions, but I've made it up to 55th place with my medals from OpFirm last week. I do have a couple of entries at Drunk Monk and Bluebonnet coming up, so we'll see if I can improve my position on that leaderboard. While individual accomplishments are great, many of us take a lot of pride in how our homebrew clubs do. So let's take a look at the top standings for the club rankings in the Circuit of America. In first place is the Kansas City Beer Meisters with 35.75 points. Hot on their tail are the Cane Island Ailers with 31.13 points, and the Iowa Brewers Union with 27.29. Rounding out the top 10 are the Denton County Homebrewers, the Ninjas, the North Georgia Malt Monkeys, Horsemen of the Apocalypse, Keystone Hops, Southern Nevada Ale Fermenters Union, and ZZ Hops. My homebrew club, the Bay Area Mastronauts, missed the top 10 by just half a point, so we'll have to be content with 11th place for a couple of more weeks. Now that we've given out props to the success of our fellow brewers and homebrew clubs, let's get ready for what's to come. Here are some highlights of competitions open right now or ones opening soon for entry. I'll provide links in the show notes and on Facebook and Instagram pages for easy access if you're interested in registering for any of these competitions. For the meat and cider brewers out there, you might want to consider the Washington Meat and Cider Cup. Registration is now open through April 9th with three bottles required for judging. Just as it sounds, this competition is restricted to only cider and mead categories. There's a cap of 8 entries per brewer and a $9 entry fee. The awards are going to be given out on April 23rd. Find out more about this competition. Go to BeerRenegades.com. Next up is certain to be the who's who of competitive brewers. This is the Who Brews It competition, hosted by The Who. The Wichita Homebrewers Organization. Registration is open now through March 31st with six entries per brewer cap and 150 competition cap. The awards will be held April 25th and broadcast on their Facebook page. For more information, find them at wichitahomebrewers.org. And this is your final reminder to register for Lunar Rendezvous 28. I mean, who wouldn't want to win a medal with an astronaut riding a keg on it? only 79 entries remain. You can find more information at masternauts.com. Best of luck to all the brewers entering these competitions, and as a reminder to competition organizers, if you want to see your event more prominently featured on this podcast, please send me an email at competitionbrewpod at gmail.com. I'd be happy to get you on the show and talk about your event. I had the chance to do just that with Matt Morris of the Bluebonnet Brew-Off in Dallas. As he sat down with me to talk about the competition and the conference that are one of the most prestigious in the country, we'll find out how they put on a competition of this size and what makes this event so special. My guest today is Matt Morris. Uh, Matt is the director of the Bluebonnet Brew-Off in Dallas, Texas. Uh, he's also one of the founding members of the Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Wow, thanks, dude. Great. So, Matt, tell us a little bit about how you got your start in
1: brewing. Uh, well, my background, I mean, homebrewing, I started right. in 2004. Um, basically, I got started with a, a friend of mine's sister got him a homebrew kit, and he invited us over to come play and yeah. try the thing out. Uh, that was uh, my friend Jeff and I went over to his house and that got both of us hooked and so uh, we started brewing he got my friend Bruce got out of it about six months he lost interest and we've been going ever since um, so that's how I got started and then I stopped home brewing in 2013 and switched to pro opened a brewery yeah so I uh, opened rabbit hole brewing in 2013, late December, uh, 2013. And then, uh, that lasted until 2019. I had to close it down in, uh, 19. Just it, the business model shifted as things moved along and you know, things changed. Uh, we weren't really able to maintain the, uh, the business. It, it wasn't something that was, that was long-term viable. So unfortunately, we had to close that. I've been working as a consultant ever since, uh, working on a new brewery project, which is opening uh, late this year.
0: And I assume that you got interested in Blue Bonnet through your homebrew club.
1: Horseman of the Apocalypse was our club. We started that club. Actually, I was one of the founding members of that. Uh, We started it, I think it was 2008. And part of the reason why we started the Horseman was because of the Blue Bonnet. Uh, so, I I discovered the Blue Brew Off in 2005 when I went to my local homebrew shop to pick up supplies, and they were closed for this thing called the Blue Bonnet that I'd never heard of. Uh, so, I looked at that. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. We got to go to this thing. So, the next year, 2006, we went, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. We want to participate. I started looking at all the local clubs, and at the time, none of us really had Saturdays off. We were all doing something on Saturdays, and all the clubs all had their meetings and special events on Saturdays. I was like, well, I don't want to join a club if I can't do anything with the club, so we'll start our own. Uh, so we started the Horsemen, and uh, at the, you know, when we first got started, all of our events were usually Sunday afternoons, because that's when we all head off. Um, and then it, it kind of grew from there.
0: So uh, Blue Bonnet's one of the longest running competitions here in Texas and second stop on the Lone Star Circuit. So how long have you been involved in Blue Bonnet competition?
1: Uh, well, the Blue Bluebonnet itself, we're in our 36th year. So it's been going on long since uh, I think uh, 86 is when we got it uh, started. I got involved in uh, 2005 was the first year I ever attended. And it was probably about 2009 or so is when I started getting involved in the planning committee. Um, I just kind of fell in love with the event from the first time I ever went to it, and got really interested in becoming a part of it. Um, and so that's that's about when I started really um, doing things and helping out, volunteering to try to make the event uh, what it is.
0: How's your role changed, uh, taking over as the director this year?
1: Uh, well, it's. Normally, the committee has uh, a lot of longevity. You know, there's a lot of folks that have been on the committee for a long time. that have right. got roles that they're really good at. This has been a challenging year because uh, the last two years we haven't had the event. We've had to uh, put the event off due to the COVID pandemic, and so this is our first year back. And there's a little bit of rustiness that we're trying to shake off to remember. Hey, how do we do this again? Uh, I know we've, we've put this great program on before, but who does this again? Yeah. So uh, there's been a lot of you know, herding cats and trying to, to reclaim some of that lost knowledge and uh, remember how to do what we had been doing uh, prior to the pandemic.
0: From what you've seen this year, do you think there's any impact from COVID on your entry counts or participation at the conference?
1: Hard to say, really. Uh, I mean, the competition, we were able to hold the competition uh, all, all through the uh, period. The, since our event is in March, which remember 2020, that's when the pandemic had started. We'd already gotten all the judging finished before right. anything happened to us. So uh, that didn't really impact the competition at all. 2021, it did. And we had to go to a divide up all of our entries amongst uh, lots of different locations rather than having an on one centralized uh, judging spot. Just in order to try to spread out our judges as much as we could. That worked out really well. So we did it again this year also, but it has also kind of strained the logistics of judging because not all the entries are all in one spot. They're all kind of scattered amongst different places. And if we need to move a flight around, well, that means someone's got to put it in their car and drive it somewhere. Um, so that's been a little bit of a challenge. I have noticed that the entries are down a little bit. Um just for whatever reason, I haven't gotten quite as many as we have in the past. Although some of our uh, new rules that we put into place may have an effect on that as well. We've uh, really tried to focus on the quality of our judging. In order to do that, we're making sure that we've got enough judges to handle everything that's coming in. So we've had to put some limits on the size of some of the categories uh, so that we're not having to scrounge up a whole bunch of judges all at once and you know, maybe we can't find them all and that makes it more difficult to, to complete a flight. Uh, so this is the first year we've had a few of these restrictions on the size of the tables to try to limit those. And that's had some effect as well. That's uh, for the competition. For the actual event, that's where it's a, it's a really big question mark, what that's going to look like this year since um, everyone's had two years off. I know there's still some folks that might be a little bit res- uh, reluctant to go be a part of big crowds. But on the other hand, there's a lot of people that are really looking forward to getting back to doing social activities. So um, I, I see on one side, things are kind of slow. But on the other hand, uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm for those that are, are ready to come, come back to the event.
0: To do a competition of the size, it obviously takes a lot of help. Uh, what are the different clubs and and who are some of the key people that are helping to make this event happen?
1: Yeah, so the Blue bonnet is sponsored by multiple clubs. Um, we've It kind of passes around. The, the directorship passes from club to club each year. Uh, this is the first year that the horsemen of the apocalypse have had a key role in it. Uh, the North Texas Homebrewers in Dallas... The uh, and Hair Homebrew Club in Fort Worth, and the Knights of the Brown Bottle in Arlington are the other three clubs that are currently really involved. There's a few other smaller ones as well. Those are the ones, though, that, uh, right now where the the uh, director and the a lot of the committee positions are being fed from those. And then in each one of those clubs, of course, we've got some really key individuals that we would not be able to conduct an event of this size or the competition of this size without having some really dedicated folks that are just there year after year able to uh, help us out for that.
0: Well, I know they always say everything's bigger in Texas and homebrew competitions are no exception to that. Uh, With over 1,200 entries this year, how's the judging process differ from smaller competitions?
1: Uh, Well, we've got to be... Uh, very precise with our logistics. We've got to make sure that we've got enough judges scheduled in enough locations to be able to handle all of the judging. Uh, First of all, we do have queued judging. We started doing that a few years ago, which has really streamlined the process. Uh, This means that an entire table is seated at one time. Uh, all of the judges are judging. If, for instance, American IPAs, uh, we'll be doing all of the American IPAs all at once. So if it if that takes six or eight judges or whatever it takes, all of those are in the same room at the same time judging the same beer. That way, we don't have a case where half the flight was done on one day, and then two weeks later the other half was done with a completely different set of judges, um, and then the entries get pushed to a second round. That if it's a really big flight, you might have a really strong flight that had three great entries and only two of them could get pushed and somewhere else there's a not so strong flight and two entries got pushed even where only one of them should have been um we've eliminated that we've gotten it so that the best beers of the of the entire table are making it to the second round because we're all in the same room at the same time and we can discuss that at, you know, real time and decide, well, Hey, I've got some really strong entries over there. Yeah. I don't really have some strong entries over here. So, you know, let's make sure that if it's, if it needs to go to the table, it goes to the table. Uh, And then the second round uh, best of show part or mini best of show to select the winners is done by the uh, same judges that had given that initial feedback.
0: Instead of just using the BJCP categories for metal groupings, Bluebonnet uses its own organization for combining categories. Is this done in part because of the size of the competition?
1: A lot of it is that. Um, I mean, we are judging very strictly to the BJCP subcategories. So when you enter a beer as you know whatever it is according to the BJCP subcat, that is what we are judging it to. Uh, The difference, though, is that the metal categories aren't necessarily aligned with the major categories of the BJCP. And that's because we've got so many entries. We actually have more metal categories than the BJCP does. Um, And so we have to split some out. And then we've also got some instances where one BJCP category might be huge and another one is not very big at all; it just doesn't get as so many entries. So we've taken all the subcategories and tried to regroup them, both to allow us to give out more medals and more styles, uh, but also to make sure that we've got an even sampling across the board, where we get about the same number of entries per medal category.
0: How's the judging going so far? Is it is it complete or is it still in process?
1: Uh, believe it or not, it's done. Actually, uh, we had over 1,200 entries this year, and we got pretty much all of it done in three weekends, um, which was a remarkable feat. But we had a lot of judges, uh, which helped a lot. We had over 60 judges uh, of, that were active that judged at least one flight. Uh, we had quite a few judges that did a lot more than that. Uh, so it was three weekends in a row. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiccup because of the weather. When the ice came in, we had to boof some stuff around. And then I think there was one flight that got pushed to the fourth weekend that we were able to get done. We have not done the best of show judging yet. That's going to be here in about a week and a half. We'll be getting that done, but otherwise everything is is complete.
0: With the competition this size, you're bound to get some off-the-wall questions. So have you gotten any questions or comments from brewers that just kind of gave you a chuckle?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, we, we- I, I guess the main thing is we'll, we'll get a lot of questions that are clearly stated in the rules yeah. or, or they'll have a lot of people say, oh, can I enter my beer in cans? And it's like, it says right there, no, you can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, we'd love to be able to, but to do cans, that would, means we'd have to have everything stewarded of, uh, we'd have to have somebody pouring the beer out of the bottles or cans so that there's no indication of what they were. We just don't have that kind of manpower. Uh, so that's, that's what we get a lot of is questions that are, you know, very clearly stated in, in all the rules and all the statements. And whenever we do get something that, okay, people keep asking this, I know it's in there, but maybe it's buried too much. Maybe we need to make it bold or raise it up to the top or, or, you know, use a bigger font or something to make sure people are seeing it.
0: Uh, so what's your best piece of advice for someone who's new to running a competition?
1: To running a competition, um, be involved in a, in the running of a competition that somebody else is running, <laughs> volunteer for, you know, volunteer for one of the other ones, uh, before you jump in and try to run it yourself. Or if you're, you know, if you're just a club, uh, that has never done one before, keep it small. Uh, don't try to shoot for the moon all at once. Uh, I would say if you're trying to get one started, Look to do no more than three metal categories and keep it limited like that. So you've, you do all Belgian beers or all American beers, or, you know, just keep it small and then do two or three categories, make the awards awesome. Uh, the better the awards, the more entries that you're going to get and then start that way. And as you get bigger and bigger, you're able to maybe add some more subcategories, add some more metal categories and kind of grow it that way. The worst thing you want to do is try to have an entire huge competition where you're going to give out 40 different medals in, or 40 different categories, three different medals each, and try to promote that and try to get the entries into a competition that maybe a lot of people don't really know about yet. Uh, promotion is huge in order to try to get people to actually learn about it. If it's not really well established, it's going to take some time to do that. So, starting small gives you the opportunity to kind of grow into it.
0: And so obviously at at this point, uh, entry to the competition is closed. Judging is done. Uh, so let's talk about the conference portion of the event, uh, takes place in Dallas, March 18th and 19th. Uh, what all special things do you have in store for the attendees?
1: Uh, all kinds of stuff, because this is our re-entrance back into being able to do the event. We're trying to be as big as possible and, and really give people a show. Uh, Friday is the commercial day. Uh, it's primarily focused on commercial beers. We've got, uh, let's see, our keynote speaker is Dr. Kristen England. Uh, he is the education liaison from the Beer Judge Certification Program. Uh, he'll be giving us a talk on historic beers and historic styles. We've also got, uh, of course, the big thirsty hospitality room, which is we've got a rotating selection of different commercial beers available all afternoon long. So you never have to worry about going thirsty. (laughs) Um, We've got some uh, vendors set up to to, uh, sell their wares. We have the commercial tasting, which is a a huge, it's kind of like a mini beer festival. Uh, Lots of different local and a a few regional breweries will be set up pouring commercial beer at that. Live music. uh, We've got live music from the Martin Brothers coming out and playing during that. We've set up a steinholding contest. Uh, so if you want to, there'll be really some pretty awesome prizes for that as well. Uh, we've got a VIP lounge, if you a little bit extra, you can go to the VIP lounge. We've lined up some really special, uh, kind of rare tastings that are coming out for, uh, for, I think we've got four different local breweries that are bringing some stuff out like that, um, and food and everything in there. That's just Friday. I think mean, that's, that's just the first night. <laughs> Uh, then the second night, we've our second day morning. We've got some technical talks. Of uh, then we've got uh, three different pub crawls that you can choose from. Or if you don't want to go on the pub crawl, we've got a beer and food pairing uh, luncheon. That's a five course meal, each one made with and paired with different local breweries beers. Um, that's a, I mean, you it's you get your money's worth. You get a lot of food, <laughs> a lot of really good food out of that one. Uh, some more tech talks in the afternoon. And then, of course, the award ceremony. And we get to hand out all these amazing, wonderful steins. And following that is the homebrew uh, club night. Homebrew club night features all of the area homebrew clubs you get to set up a, a tent or a, a table in, in the uh, big room. And then it also features a people's choice tasting. So all of the attendees that come get to select their winner, and, and there's a, we've got a traveling trophy that we put together uh, that will be awarded to the winning club for the People's Choice as well.
0: Is it too late for a club to get in on that?
1: It is not, actually. It is not too late at all. Uh, there's a, if you go to our website, it's bluebonnetbrewoff.org.org. Uh, uh, there is a, there's a whole bunch of information in there. One of the things is about the people's choice and it tells you how you can register your club. Uh, that's, it's pretty simple. You just fill out a form and show up. <laughs> that's all you got to do. Uh, we do like to kind of know ahead of time how many clubs to, to plan for. Uh, but we, we keep it pretty relaxed because we want as many clubs as possible to participate. Part of the reason why we do this event and why we make it so big is it's definitely a celebration for the people who have entered our contest but it's also an opportunity for homebrewers that maybe maybe they're new to homebrewing, uh, maybe they are new to homebrew clubs, um, they'd like to learn more or maybe they've never homebrewed uh, at all and are just interested in learning something about it. It's more than just a thing for the folks who entered the contest, it's also there for anyone who might be interested in homebrewing whatsoever, or if you just like good beer, because we have a lot of it, <laughs> um, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take you there, too, and, and uh, show you some really great beers. Some of it will be commercial beer, some of it will be homebrew beer, and uh, you know, heck, maybe you'll discover your new favorite hobby.
0: Well, I think uh, for those first-timers that are still on the fence about going, you may have just given them a nice shove off onto the, uh, to the got-to-go side. Uh, so what's the deadline for for getting tickets if if somebody makes a last-minute decision wants to come in from out of town
1: uh last minute let's see the event is on the 18th so uh we're going to shut off the online ticket sales by the uh, 17th so the day before uh however there may still be some tickets available for walk-ups but they'll be more expensive uh, they'll, they'll probably go up about $10 each, uh, if you walk up. So definitely you want to get them online. Uh, the other thing, there is a reason why we do this event at a hotel. Uh, <laughs> is, there's a lot of beer to be had and, uh, the responsible thing is definitely to stay with us there at the hotel. Um, and first of all, that's where the party is. I mean, that's, it, it runs pretty late and it's just, you, know, you, you don't want to leave. Uh, but also we've gotten a really great rate there at the hotel. It's about 40% off the normal rack rate, a so pretty cheap rate for this hotel. So the DFW Sheraton uh, in Irving, it's right there next to the DFW airport. Uh, and I believe next Monday, uh, I think the 7th, uh, is when that rate uh, gets cut off. So if you want to come and you want to get a really great rate at the hotel, I definitely suggest getting that rate booked by uh, March 7th
0: i'm booked i'm ready to go this will be my first blue bonnet so i am super excited about what's in store
1: awesome well we've we've put together a great show for you so so hopefully you will hopefully you'll enjoy it it's definitely worth the drive i don't care where you're coming from it's alaska yeah it's worth the drive
0: so i I know you've got three different pub crawl options what's your personal preference for which one's the best one to sign up for
1: you know it's kind of strange um I never do the pub crawl because they're all pubs that I can go to anytime because I live here. Uh, whenever I went to any of the events in Houston, um, back before I started my brewery, I, I was uh, pretty active in the Lone Star Circuit. And I'd go down to Houston to go to a lot of the events down there. I would always do the pub crawl uh, because I got to go to pubs I never get to see and would probably never even discover. Uh, so this one we've got, if I remember right, there's a downtown Dallas pub crawl. I, I'm trying to remember where all the start sites are. We do have them listed on our website. Uh, all the different locations are start or are, are listed there. Um, but I know there's one that goes downtown and I think it hits some of the bars and maybe one or two breweries in that area. Then there's one that's just breweries in, in the Dallas area. So if you, if you rather go to a brewery than a bar, then that's the one, uh, you want. Then there's the Fort Worth one. Uh, it's a bit more of a drive to get all the way to Fort Worth, but once you're there, you're there. Uh, we've got one stop and there's about mm, two breweries and three bars all within really tight walking distance, uh, of each other. So that's, that's kind of cool because you can choose your own adventure once you get down there and, and you've got lots of different options. Uh, so they're all good. Um, if I were going to do one, I would, I live on the Fort Worth side, so I tend to go to the Fort Worth bars more. I love them, but I would probably do the Dallas one because I never get to go to those. Um, Likewise, if I lived in Dallas, it'd probably be the opposite. I'd be looking for the opportunity to go to places I don't normally get to see.
0: And I I saw online you've got some good merch going as well. Uh, People like shirts and hats for these competitions, especially uh, if they're competing, like to support that and show their pride once they've won.
1: Absolutely. In fact, this year we've got, uh, if you come to the event, you can pick what color shirt you want because we've got the the shirts are actually going to be made on site. Um but we do have available it's just the standard athletic gray shirt. But if you are not able to make it to the trip but you have entered and you you want the shirt, we can ship it to you. Uh, There's an option there on the website as well to include shipping to pay for shipping. And then it's going to be after the event before we get around to rounding them all up, of course. But within a week or two of the event we'll get all those out in the mail. So yeah even if you can't make it, we'll still get a shirt to you.
0: And Bluebonnet has a certain level of prestige associated with it. What does it really mean to a competitor to win a stein at Bluebonnet?
1: This it's it's all about the stein. The stein is it's kind of become a, a, our symbol, our um, trademark emblem is is that stein that we've got. It's custom made. Uh, I mean, we've got a a, a uh, artist a uh, what, what's the term a um, ceramic artist that uh-huh. uh, makes them for us custom each time. And each one has, uh, yeah, it's all unique too. Each each year, we've got a different logo and a different color scheme for it. Um, the Blue Bonnet over the years has grown and grown and become one of the more prestigious events uh, in the country in terms of homebrewing. And winning a stein, I, I'd like to tell people just because of the competitive nature and the size of the Blue Bonnet, If you enter the blue bonnet and you come away without any medals or anything, but you get your score sheets back and find out that your beer made it to the mini best of show, that it made it to the second table, that's that's an award right there. I mean, it's such a ridiculously competitive competition that getting to that mini best of show means you've made something that is worthy of a medal, that uh, is probably going to get you a medal. At a smaller competition where there aren't 1,200 entries to compete from, uh, it's and you know, then if, of course, if you manage to win the Stein, um, that's great. <laughs> 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 um, I, I mean, I've only made, I only got in, in my homebrewing career, I got a lot of medals, I only ever got two Steins, uh, which is which I'm thrilled with because that's two more than a lot of folks have gotten, um, but it's hard i mean it's it's really difficult to to get all the way up there
0: well uh you just mentioned that you've got a couple steins yourself so you're obviously have uh, a fairly experienced home brewer your experience as a homebrew competitor aside from blue bonnet how involved are you in competition brewing these days
1: um these days not so much because i uh, started a brewery back in 2013, I went pro, uh, which basically took me out of the running for the amateur circuit. Uh, So now I I still enter, but I'm entering the Great American Beer Festival, the World Beer Cup and uh, these kinds of things are even more competitive. However, that has actually given me a lot of opportunity to move more into the service side of things. Um, I I really love judging. Uh, Judging has made me a better brewer. Uh, when, I, when I started judging beer, it, it really forced me to focus on the technical aspects of the beer that I was judging. And then I can apply that to the beer that I'm making. And I really think it's maybe a better brewer. And so now that I'm not burdened with having to figure out which categories I've entered and therefore cannot judge, I'm able to judge all of the categories. Um, and so I, I've spent a lot more time doing that and kind of running through through that uh, line, also the Blue Bonnet, uh, it we are a little bit bigger than just a homebrew competition. Now we started as as focused on the homebrew competition and then moved into the event, but now we've grown to the point where we're really focused more on uh, beer judge education and trying to train up new judges and facilitate that we're working on, of course, we're part of the Lone Star circuit of uh, competitions. We're also working on starting a new circuit for North Texas. So there's gonna be a North Texas homebrew competition circuit, which will feature a lot of the clubs that make up the Blue Bonnet. Blue Bonnet has a lot of resources to be able to help our member clubs sponsor some of these new competitions which of course gives people more opportunities to practice judging and practice entering and, and expands our judging pool and gives us the opportunity to have a really strong judging pool here in the North Texas area. So part of what the Blue Bonnet does, uh, specific, specifically, specifically the Blue Bonnet event is helps us raise funds for that. So the money that we raise goes to, uh, do beer judge training and help to sponsor some of these other smaller competitions. So that they can get up you know get off the ground and uh, we can get more experienced judges through that manner as well
0: from your competition days, are there any awards you've won that are more special to you than others or even a special beard that you're particularly proud of
1: yeah I mean I, there's there's a few I'm, I'm looking over at my, my wall here to see what really jumps out at me um, I, I mean I, I, uh, when I was I think it was 2015 after I had stopped homebrewing uh my brewery, Rabbit Hole Brewing, we got a silver medal at the Great American Beer Festival uh, for our brown ale, which I'm pretty proud of that one. Um, as far as the homebrewing awards are concerned, really the the steins are my favorite just because they are genuinely awesome. Uh, I was able to get a uh major cup some years ago. Uh, which actually kind of surprised me uh, that I, it, it was like, wow, I, I thought this was pretty good. I didn't know it was that good. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that was a neat award to get. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. Um, my first ever award that I got was at the Dixie Cup. Uh, it was the new entrant, and I got it in 2006. And I think it was the first thing I'd ever entered. I, I won that. And then it was two years later before I got a single other thing. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it, was just it was this little tiny taste and then just nothing of, uh, and it was, you know, that was kind of frustrating because I was like, come on, I did it once. What's, what's wrong with me? Uh, it was really when I started judging that I started understanding what the judges were looking for. And that's, that's when I started having some more success. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are probably, probably those are my favorites. Um, there's a, there's a lot of them that I can distinctly remember doing. I, I think that North Texas has a really awesome, uh, it's called the Limbo Challenge that, that happens in summer. And one of their awards, it's not a BJCP thing, it's just a, a hedonistic, what do you like? It's called the, the uh, uh, Lawnmower Beer. And the idea is which, which one is most refreshing to drink? after having mowed the lawn on a hot Texas afternoon. And they've in the past actually had the judges go mow a couple strips of the grass before they go judge the beer. (laughs) Um, and then it's just deciding, uh, deciding which, which one they like, which one's most refreshing. So the award for this is a beat up mower blade. Uh, they canvass the club to find someone who's replaced their blade and, and has an old beat up one. And so they'll, they'll clean it up and, and uh, gold foil, leaf it, uh, and then mounted on this nice mahogany plaque. And that's the award that you get is this <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> gold plated, messed up lawnmower blade, which I, I got that one year. And it's, it's got a special place on my wall here in my office. It's, it's just a, It's just a great Uh, award.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't get better than that. So uh, for people that are new to competing on the brewing side, do you have any tips or kind of what's your one thing besides, you know, the obvious temperature control and whatnot that can help them get to the next level when brewing for competitions?
1: Sure. Um, Well, I mean, you know, first of all, obviously you want to make the best beer you can make. Um, So things like trying to jump into all grain brewing if you're not, really completely comfortable with fermentation is premature. Um, I've seen extract beers win steins before. Uh, going all grain doesn't make your beer better. It gives you more knobs to turn. It gives you more control over the process. But if you're trying to make something that is not particularly malt-driven, if it's, if it's a yeast-driven beer or a hop-driven beer, extracts are just fine as long as you've got good temperature control the other thing i'd look at is just remember that the judges don't know what what you tried to do we only know what you did do so if you brew a beer to and you're you're trying to brew a, a oatmeal stout or something um and it's a great stout. It's delicious, but there's no oatmeal. It just, you know, the character just doesn't come through at all. It's, just, it, you know, presents more as an American stout because the roast or the hops are too high or, or you know, whatever. Um, don't enter it as an oatmeal stout if it fits the guidelines for an American stout better. Because we don't know you were trying to hit this target over here. All we know is that you hit this target over there. Uh, and so, and same thing as if you've got uh, any sort of specialty beer, fruit beer. I've seen a lot of people enter beers that it's a it's a stout with cherries, vanilla, aged on oak, with some hickory and, and cinnamon, and you know, they they list this whole grocery list full of things that are supposedly in the beer, and maybe they all are on there. But if you declare it, I better be able to find it as a judge. So be honest with yourself after you've made the beer, taste it, and if you don't really get that vanilla, don't tell me it's in there because if you don't taste it, I'm not going to taste it either. And I'm not going to fault you for not tasting something I didn't know was in there in the first place.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Matt. It was great catching up with you and best of luck with putting on a successful event. Really looking forward to being there and sharing updates on future shows with how the event goes.
1: Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And I look forward to seeing you there in person uh, March
0: 18, 19. All right. Cheers.
1: Absolutely. Cheers.
0: Thanks. Well, that just about wraps things up for another episode of Best to Show, the Competition Brewing Podcast. Be sure to click that subscribe button because you don't want to miss a single episode. And We always greatly appreciate your support of the show by giving us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast. And thank you again for all your support to make this such a successful launch of the podcast. Cheers, y'all.
1: On the stone, fake ID, and we got to a bone. Took our D-tone steel down the O2 track. So I said the guy we were not coming back. Ripping and running everywhere, but right. And all we got
0: left is this one last night.